Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome along to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Rudy Barlow. I am your host this evening. I'm joined by Roman de Arquer. We've just seen Barcelona go 11 points clear at the top of the La Liga table. Few saw this coming three, four months ago when they went down 3-0 to Real Madrid with, with barely a whimper at the Santiago Bernabeu, but it is Xavi's side that are sitting pretty at the top of the table. It was a tight weekend in La Liga. There was only two, two fixtures out of the eight fixtures that we've seen decided by more than one goal so far. So it, it was one of the tightest kind of uh, weekends that I can remember in a while. Just running through the results, Cadiz got a nice win over Girona on Friday night. They beat them 2-0 in what was a, a surprisingly comfortable outing for Cadiz. And then on Saturday, Real Betis got a crucial 3-2 win over Almeria at Almeria. Sevilla were, were also pretty comfortable against Real Mallorca. They, they dispatched them pretty easily. 2-0 at home, Yusuf Ennesiri on the score sheet, as was Brian Gil on his birthday. And then Athletic Club beat Valencia 2-1 on Saturday night at Mestalla. Protests, more to come on that. We'll get into that in the second half of the show. Hetafe drew one all with Rayo Vallecano, but it looked like a decent enough point after Carlos Alenia was sent off. Atleti got a crucial 1-0 away win at Celta Vigo, despite themselves having Savic sent off. Valladolid and Ostasuna drew 0-0 before, on Sunday night, Barcelona went to Villarreal and overcame them 1-0 via a Pedri goal. Roman, how are you and how are you feeling after another victory for Barcelona? Well, naturally, I'm feeling good. Um, it was a very tough game, I have to say. Uh, Barca really struggled to get the three points there. Perfectly, Villarreal could have uh, gone draw. They, they probably deserved a point, I did say, uh, because they were very, very strong, very, um, very brave, I'd say, going forward, seeing how Barca had been playing lately, seeing that they were in this really good 
a run of wins. You know, Villarreal still weren't intimidated by that. And the fact that they didn't have Gerard Moreno for this game, which is also a massive setback for them. We know how they've suffered in recent years when he's been injured and how the team really loses a lot of of its edge going forward but despite that you know they, they generated their chances they were they were good going forward and Barca well I thought they were um, stumbling a bit into in, in, in the counter-attacks they weren't as precise as, as they tend to be uh, because you know they can be quite lethal when they move the ball really fast like their their only goal in fact was you know a quick succession of passes where the Villarreal def defenders sorry weren't capable of, of reacting on time and, and Pedri was just left alone in front of Reina so that was a, a fantastic goal but uh, not enough of that I'd say and take into account how we'd been performing in previous games and also take into account how I think Barca have uh, usually being capable of doing really well against Villarreal in, in, in previous seasons and also against Setien, against his teams, you know, Barca have usually done uh, pretty good too, but uh, in this case it was uh, nothing like that and uh, as I said, also interesting to see how Barca had just six shots in the whole game, four on target, that's a very um, small amount for Barcelona, you know, we're used to seeing them have and generate lots of good chances, but as I said, uh, they weren't as sharp maybe in those counters and they, they were struggling a bit with, with Villarreal who defensively were very strong. Pepe Reina I thought had a very, very good game. And in the end it was more about the defences I'd even say because on the other on the other side we had uh, Ronald Araujo who had a phenomenal game. I think he was uh, Pedri aside for scoring the winner. He was the best of the, of the game. He, he really uh, blocked some impressive uh, chances for Villarreal and, and, he, and thanks to him uh, mainly I think we we got the three points. Yeah, definitely. He, um, he just loves defending that's his that's his <laughs> favorite thing in the world him celebrating you could see there's a couple of times after when the camera panned to him where he made a couple of crucial blocks Jeremy Pino was exasperating Ronald Araujo smiling there yeah. like a like a big villain and uh, yeah he, he really enjoyed himself this evening and I think a lot of Barcelona fans enjoyed his performance too you mentioned the fact that it was tight the fact that Barcelona only had kind of six shots on goal there since October, Barcelona have only managed to win by two goals or more on two occasions. Sevilla last weekend was the first time that they'd scored more than two goals since October as well. And that was flowing back to Canada's performances against Athletic Club and Villarreal at Camp Nou. Is it, how much of a problem is this offensively? Because Robert Lewandowski had what, I mean, you don't want to say it because he's so good, but what was a pretty terrible game tonight? Well, honestly, he didn't really have too, uh, too many good looks, I'd say, towards goal. I actually kind of like Robert Lewandowski in the sense that he was coming down quite a lot to the midfield, combining with his teammates, and looking for easy passes, you know, not complicating himself, because I've seen him sometimes try the most uh, complicated stuff, basically, you know, trying to do um, getting past players and, and then looking for a very difficult pass. And in today's game, I thought he was more s simplistic. He wasn't complicating himself. I thought that was, that was good. But then again, towards goal, he had a few chances, but the ones he had, unfortunately, uh, didn't go. And he had a really good one at, uh, towards the beginning, one-on-one uh, -on -one with Pepe Reina. I, th I thought that could have been a goal. You know, Lewandowski is quite lethal in those situations. But aside from that, it's true that he wasn't maybe... He didn't have his best game, but um, we all know that uh, Barca's attack is basically him, uh, especially when Dembele is injured uh, and other player, important players aren't available, like Busquets to generate from the back, etc. And we know that Rafinha, he's getting better I think he's getting gaining more confidence uh, being braver with the ball 
uh, things are working out better for him than maybe they were uh, a few months back. But still, when Robert Lewandowski doesn't score, you can feel it. And that's why we only uh, scored one goal basically in this game because he wasn't as sharp as, as you, you just mentioned, you know. So um, one of the reasons also Barca hadn't scored in recent months was also because he was, you know, had, had the suspension. He missed quite a few games that obviously I think affected the team in a big way going forward because we have a big dependence on him. We don't really have a number nine uh, who we can rely on when he's not there. We sold Memphis Depay, who was maybe our best second option in that position. And we're seeing that Ferran Torres isn't really working too well lately, whether it's number uh, false nine, whether it's uh, on, on one of the wings. Uh, I mean, he's a player that can score, but unfortunately he's not providing that. So yeah, it all depends on Lewandowski. And he didn't have his best game, but it was a tough game, as I said, you know, very complicated. Villarreal defensively were very disciplined, very organized and, and very uh, strong at the back. So it was, it was tough for Barca. Yeah, and I, I want to shout out Frankie de Jong, who I also thought was fantastic this evening. He was really, really good defensively in terms of just being in the right place at the right time, cutting out passes. He was very good. Ronald Araujo, Pedri, as you say, Kunde as well. I think, yeah, that sort of back three of kind of Christensen, Kunde, and Araujo is is the base for everything that Barcelona are doing right now. And I, I find it quite comical that it's almost the opposite, both to what we expected Barcelona to be and what they were at the start of the season, which was kind of swashbuckling offensively. You had Dembélé and Lewandowski banging in the goals for for quite a few games and then now it's kind of defensive solidity. Ronald Araujo, Christensen, Kunde, um, Balde as well, Terstegen, those are the kind of, that's the rock of this Barcelona side and that's the reason why they're now 11 points clear of Real Madrid. Of course, that is in part due to the fact that Real Madrid have a game in hand. They play Elche on Wednesday night at the Santiago Bernabeu and that was because they were at the Club World Cup beating Al-Halal 5-3 in a, in a real back and forth of a game um, in the Club World Cup. Vinicius and Benzema looked very good. Vinicius scored a brace, as did Fede Valverde, who had the wonderful news that his baby, as Mina Bonino, who is his girlfriend or wife, I'm not quite up to date on their nuptial status, but uh, declared that their baby was in fact fine after a month of them being told that they, they did not know kind of the state of the, the pregnancy and thought it might, might go wrong. So happy for Fede Valverde and Mina, but, uh, but yeah, Real Madrid sort of back on track. They should be fairly comfortable to beat Elche and reduce this gap back to eight points, shouldn't they, Roman? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, uh, they're going to have uh, some more games on their legs, which is never a positive, I say it, but uh, they they have built up some confidence, I think, after this match, especially offensively. Uh, in, in these two games of this Club World Cup, we've seen uh, the best version of Benicius, which we're maybe missing uh, lately, especially, as we always say, when he's playing away from the Bernabeu, where he's all the, got all the fans against him, all the pressure from the uh, opponent club, um, opponent's teams and and all that all the um, hustle that's built around him and that he kind of like uh, loses his mind a bit and, and his focus from the match I think uh, that's a big problem but seeing that playing away from Spain far away from these stadiums he's really been able to focus on his football he had the support from the fans there basically so uh, that's always helpful and uh, yeah I think it's it's really good for Vinicius to, to really see and understand that um, when he plays like this his team is going to benefit a lot that he has to focus on the football focus on getting goals on, on showing his quality because offensively in this game Madrid were, were brilliant you know they got five goals of course the rival maybe isn't a first uh, division side from Spain but still it always helps but it's true that defensively on the other hand they have 
uh, a lot to work on. They have recovered Alaba lately, which is obviously a positive for them because he's he's really good. And I think main problem also another of the problems they have in the back is is the the position with Kamavinga in that fullback spot. You know, I think that kind of works sometimes, but it isn't fully reliable. It's I think I feel like uh, Kamavinga is still getting used to this position and uh, maybe he's not shining as much as, as he would if, if he was playing in the middle so that's something that Ancelotti has to look into if he really wants to keep relying on Kamavinga uh, to, to play in that position in, in more important games in La Liga but yeah now they can focus on Elche which at first should be a very easy game but then again uh, they did get their first win recently against Villarreal uh, they're going to lose Peramilla who's, who got injured in that game despite scoring a hat-trick so of course that doesn't help them very much but uh, Elche could be dangerous because they really don't have anything to fight for and they would love to, you know, uh, surprise everybody and, and get a positive result against uh, Real Madrid. So they have to be careful and um, Ancelotti will have to find a way also to, to get it, keep his players fit, you know, not uh, get them too tired because a lot, a lot of games are coming and have already been taking place for, for, for Real Madrid. So that's, uh, yeah, a lot of games in their legs. Yeah, you mentioned Villarreal just there and that defeat to Elche. It's now three games, three defeats on the bounce for Villarreal. They've not won, I think, well, they've won once against Girona at home, 1-0 since that victory over Real Madrid in La Liga. Kike Setien, I mean, you can't really ask too much more of his side against Barcelona, even though it was at home. They did perform very well, but um, again, kind of in need of results, aren't they, pretty soon, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, Villarreal are expected to win. Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm not that worried because I felt like in, in quite a few of those games where they dropped points, they did deserve more. I mean, they have been still generating very good opportunities. Um, of course, the, the the one against Celtic for me is, is the one that's unacceptable. I mean, they can't lose 3-1 against a team that hasn't won a single game the whole season and are, are practically relegated and they have a very uh, limited squad, you know, so you can't lose against Elche. But the other, the other defeats against Rayo, the, the, the draw against um, Celta de Vigo, those kind of games, I mean, of course, that's not the results they need, but they did, they did have their chances. They could have easily uh, taken a win, in my opinion, in, in those matches. And this one against Barca, again, they proved, you know, they have quality. They were missing their best player in, up in attack, and despite that, they still generated, and they were still uh, a very solid side. So I think it's just a matter of them getting back into a positive uh, mentality, positive streak, and, and I think they should be capable of, of getting past this uh, bad moment. But of course, if these negative results continue, there will be a big problem, and Setienne uh, will have uh, to face uh, the fans again, as he did when he came on, and they were already going against him in the first few games. We know how fans are in general, you know, in football and in La Liga, etc. And um, if they don't like how the team is doing in terms of results, then uh, you're going to have them against you. But hopefully we've seen that the football's there. It's just a matter of, of getting it right and, and scoring the goals. We're going to kind of roll back chronologically here. Osasuna via Delete, that was a 0-0 draw. It moves via Delete another sort of point further away from the drop. They're now four points clear um, and just four points away from Mallorca in 10th after two wins in their previous two games as well. Um, for Osasuna, it keeps them ninth. It keeps them kind of on Villarreal's coattails, actually. Um, just a point behind them in eighth. And then sort of the other games from Sunday, Getafe, Rayo, Vallecano. I mean, it kind of looks like a missed opportunity for Rayo because Raul de Tomas missed a penalty really late on. Um, they were playing against 10 men. Getafe did manage to get back into it. Um, but yeah, it's a missed opportunity for Rayo, I feel. It would have taken them sort of above Betis and back into fifth place. Um, I, I know we can't demand too much of them because they are already overachieving. Mm. 
And then on the flip side, Hitafe this season, it's a point, but they're still in the relegation zone. They're second bottom, uh, two points off Espanyol, who play tomorrow night against Real Sociedad. And, uh, and yeah, the loudest sound that I heard, admittedly I wasn't at the Coliseum, but the loudest sound that I heard across the TV was Kike Veteya. And uh, how much rope has he got left? Honestly, I think it's, it's, it's just about to, to, to tear apart, you know. I don't think it's going to last very long. Uh, a miracle saved him this game, if, if he's not fired in, in the next week, because honestly... Getafe at home, I think, uh, needed more than, than a draw. Uh, even though, of course, things went against him with that uh, sending off. But uh, And, of course, they missed a penalty early on in the match. Borja Mayoral also missed his uh, great opportunity to put them in front. And Raya, in the end, lost the game themselves because it's not just the fact that RDT uh, missed a penalty, but also Dimitrescu gave the goal away, you know, basically um, in front of Venezuela. Instead of clearing the ball quickly, he was just, I don't know... Uh, wasting time or whatever he was trying to do and 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 it messed up and it was a very stupid goal uh, against them and and you know they're fighting for european positions right away kind of at the moment which is a massive surprise i think to all of us to all of us this season but th there they are you know and a win would have really uh, put them very close to those champions league positions and yeah in the end they lost it and on the other hand we have a getafe well that uh, they need results and i think Kikesetien, honestly uh, just won't last long enough because the, the streak is, is the, and the form is, is really really poor and I think he's got a squad to do more than what they're doing you know it, it, they're obviously a humble team a humble club etc but they I think they should be um, out of the relegation zone in terms of, of the quality they have on the squad and just finally from Sunday's game Atleti as we were saying they got a 1-0 win away at Balaidos Celta Vigo were fantastic and after beating Betis 4-3 away from home I thought this might be a, a punto de inflexion. I thought this might be a turning point for Carlos Carvajal, but Atleti come out with it kind of reinforced because they were down to 10 men. All Black makes some medical saves and uh, Memphis Depay gets his first goal and it's a winner really late on. Your thoughts on that one? You pretty much summed it up uh, very well. I mean, uh, Celta Vigo felt like they were going to really uh, build on that uh, that win last week, you know, scoring goals, it felt like maybe they'd finally managed to unblock themselves because they had been generating some very good chances in previous matches, but, you know, the ball was, just wasn't going in. And in that game, it went in, so I thought that maybe they could keep this up and it would be an interesting game to watch. But unfortunately for them, uh, luck, all black, uh, you know, their incapability to, to score was, was, was a massive uh, and, and really backfired against them. And it's, it's just an unpredictable season, honestly, in La Liga. You know, some games where you expect things to go one way are completely different. And the, uh, in this case, Atletico Madrid, one man down. Of course, they have quality and they can surprise you. But uh, seeing that this season is a tough one for them, I honestly didn't expect them to take it. I thought uh, Celta would. They were pushing hard in the last minute when Stefan Savic got sent off. But in the end, there you go. Memphis Depay, that's what they signed them for, you know, to get these kind of goals. Uh, they don't have Joao. They don't have... Uh, Cunha, who maybe wasn't as reliable, but uh, you know, still, uh, Memphis Depay now is is, is is quality. You know, I think he's a, he's a decent signing for them, as we said in previous pods, and he's gonna get them points. And at the moment, uh, those three are really, really important for their Champions League aspirations. Yeah, it leaves them four points clear of Betis in fifth, and and that bit of breathing room is crucial to take the pressure off them. I think just nine points between Real Sociedad in third and Osasuna in ninth as it stands. So it is very tight amongst the European places. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll come on to the bottom half of the table and uh, one club in particular and, and all the problems that are, <laughs> are ongoing at Mestalla. Um, but we'll 
Don't go anywhere because as I say, we'll be back in just a second. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. It's part two of the podcast. And as we we're saying, there's one club in particular that is the focus of all attention in Spain, I think, right now, apart from kind of the big ones that are usually in about there. And it is a big one in Valencia and Los Che, but a 2-1 defeat at Masaya to Athletic Club. Valencia kind of played pretty well in this game. They, they, they did reasonably well, took the lead, and then Nico Williams with a fantastic goal uh, levels things up and later on as the game's kind of going back and forth Oyan Sanset comes up with the crucial finish to, to win the game it finishes 2-1 as we were saying at the top of the show Valencia are now 18th I think it's the first time in about 30-40 years they've been in a relegation zone in the Segunda Vuelta in the second half of the season just how much trouble are they in Roman? Well, uh, it feels like it's, it's the same story every year, you know. Valencia fans fed up of the situation, fed up of of uh, the guy in charge, Peter Lim, uh, basically, and and really suffering. You know, they've had some better moments, of course, with him in charge, but um, it it always kind of feels like it's going to end the same way, and there's always going to be uh, unhappiness. And unfortunately for them, it's it's really sad to see them uh, down there the in the relegation zone. You know, it's it's a historic Spanish La Liga side. Who I think deserve much more. You know, they, they shouldn't they shouldn't even be talking about relegation when we when we bring up Valencia. But uh, it's the case, and it's always the same thing. You know, and it, it just feels horrible. I mean, as as a, as a fan of La Liga or football itself, I just don't want to see them in this situation. But it is what it is. You know, and and these things happen. And you know they probably deserved a bit more in this game. You know Valencia, um, despite all the problems, the players you know are fighting, are giving it their best. But sometimes that's even that's not enough. 
it's true that they're not a very strong side defensively we could say they have a great goalkeeper but then their uh, back line of four isn't really too reliable Diakabi we just know he's capable of uh, making massive mistakes any game Comert has good games has bad games Paulista he's good but then again he, he goes mad we saw the other day get sent off and leaves his team uh, without the possibility of playing him in this match and it's just sad because I mean uh, there were hopes for Valencia this season they brought in some decent players in attack especially with uh, Cavani of course with Castillejo with Lino you know and, and they've been looking pretty good Maybe Cavani not as good as, as we expected, but the other two have been quite decent. But in the end, it just feels like no matter what they do on the field, what's happening outside just is too much, you know. And unconsciously or not, it affects you. And and, and seeing the, the fans complaining, not outside of the stadium, protesting, not even going to watch their players because they're really worried about um, helping their club in the in the big sense, you know, of the word or of the, of, of the term. So I mean, um, it's pretty pretty unfortunate, and uh, everyone's being affected by this. And not even Boro, who's a classic uh, man in charge in, in Valencia. You know, he's always been around. He knows what's going on. He knows what's best for the club. But not even him at the moment is being capable of of, of um, changing the dynamic, which is very tough to see. And so I don't know. I mean, it looks bad. Hopefully they'll manage to pull through. But at the moment, uh, they just keep dropping and dropping more and more, and it's going to get more and more complicated for them. Yeah, you you mentioned the fans being outside. There was barely anybody in Mestaya for the first twenty minutes of this game as they protested outside against Peter Lim. Told him to leave. Uh, we've seen this before. Uh, it happened at the end of last season against Celta. It's happened again this time. I, I don't think you can really blame the fans. Valencia, yeah, they kind of played quite well this game, but there's just such a, a solemn sort of lack of confidence in front of goal almost. Evans and Cavani looks like he couldn't hit a barn door almost. And yeah, they haven't they haven't won a game since the, the last game before the World Cup. How much of an impact do you think a new manager can make? Do you think, I mean, they've been linked to Nuno Espirito Santo, they've been linked to Vicente Moreno, former Espanol and Mallorca manager. Do you think a, a new manager is likely to get a reaction out of this squad or are they really just now fighting it out at the bottom? I mean, it's tough to say. Uh, for me, I would have never gotten rid of Gattuso in the first place. I think they had to trust him uh, until the end of the season at least, unless of course it was really disastrous and they were in the relegation zone, but now that he's not there, they are in the relegation zone. So basically, their move backfired and it was the worst possible apparently. Uh, so now of course they don't even know themselves if they want to sign a manager. There's talks about whether they should or whether they should trust Boro. Seeing that he's lost the first two games, it's unlikely that he's going to continue. You know, they, They're going to want a reaction and of course a new manager sometimes can give you uh, can help you change things and, and see things a different way and, and of course they could get good results but it's hard to say if it's going to work who's going to work bringing play, uh, managers that have already been there like Nuno uh, I'm never too convinced about that you know I mean his his term is over you know at Valencia and uh, I just feel like bringing him back could also backfire I'm using this word a lot today but I mean in Valencia's case I think it's it's a good descriptive word to, to explain their situation and um Honestly, I th I pro they probably do have to bring in a manager, but it's it's a it's a decision they have to make. They have to get it right. You know, they can't afford to to get another manager wrong. And I don't know, uh, Moreno. He's he's good. Vicente Moreno. He has experience. We've seen that he's capable. He could be an interesting option, I'd say. But uh, honestly, from outside, I just 
I just don't know what to think because when it comes to Valencia, it's it's all crazy, it's all bonkers, and and even if you bring the best, even if you bring a Pep Guardiola, anything <laughs> could happen, you know, because it's it's a crazy club, it's it all goes uh, mad and bonkers. Yeah, speaking of mad, there was actually excrement left in the press box where Plaza um, Radio work, and that's where Paco Pollitt works in Valencia, and I'm sure he was thrilled by that. Athletic Club, uh, seventh place, they didn't move up much in the table, but they are just two points behind Betis in fifth now. Moving on to another club that we thought was going to be the kind of crisis club in the second half of the season, and we should say it's just four points between Valencia in 18th and Girona in 11th. Also, just want to mention before I forget, Valencia-Hetafe next weekend looks absolutely ginormous. Uh, but yeah, Sevilla, they moved themselves four points clear as well. They got a 2-0 win over Real Mallorca at home. And uh, yeah, I was writing about this on the Substack, llonline.substack.com. Go visit it because there'll be a new piece out um, as you listen to this as well. But yeah, there's signs of life from the Sevilla side, isn't there, Roman? Yeah, definitely. Um, I have to say I was very disappointed uh, on how they played at the Camp No uh, the weekend before because uh, with the signings they brought in, with the quality they have, they were just too timid maybe, too scared and they didn't really show themselves and I was a bit worried that they, this would also um, run along into this game uh, because Mallorca we know are, can be a very cagey side. We saw how they managed to get those points against Real Madrid. They're very strong when they want defensively but uh, luckily for them uh, they managed to break through quite early with um, within the city get, getting goals again, which I think is very important for for Sevilla because they need a, a good goal scorer. And unfortunately, this season so far in the city and Rafamir haven't really been up to expectations. But uh, seeing that Yusuf is now getting a few goals, he did leave uh, the, the match injured. I don't know in the end if it was uh, very serious or not. I think Sampoli said it, it didn't look too bad, so hopefully they'll have him uh, back uh, for the next match. But, you know, it's also good to see how the signings are working. Brian Gil scoring his goal. Um, Sevilla definitely had a better offensive game than, than Mallorca, who really didn't generate too much or weren't too much of a threat in attack. So that also gives credit to to Mallorca's defense. Uh, sorry, to Sevilla's defense. And there was that um, controversial uh, chance for Mallorca where I think it's uh, Bade makes a mistake and then he throws, I think it was Muriki down on the floor and gets pulled. And some people were saying that should have been a red, should have been... Uh, sending off but well I mean in the end it's hard to say it was a, quite a, a close one and uh, aside from that Mallorca didn't generate too much so that's good for Sevilla they've climbed out of the relegation zone which is very important you know they've they've been getting some acceptable results lately and uh, it seems like little by little things are working out because as we said like Sevilla I sorry like Valencia Sevilla don't deserve to be there either you know they they have a very good squad uh, compared to the average of, of La Liga and they should be much higher up so maybe they can start building on this uh, this good momentum they're, they're bringing in this match and, and the new players they've brought in so hopefully that that'll change for them and Betis beat Almeria 3-2 away from home they did throw away the lead twice um, against an Almeria side that kind of fought very hard but Another, well, this is a crucial victory for Pellegrini's side who have not been vintage of late. Missing a few players, Fekir was out, Juanmi um, was again sort of good in this game, Canales with a beautiful goal. Betis, what's your kind of take on them just now? Because they, they are in a bit of a strange moment right now. Yeah, honestly, I would say that I thought that this was going to be like a, not a breakthrough season for, for Betis, but they were going to take it another level, you know, and, and they were going to keep improving from from the previous season and unfortunately that hasn't really happened and uh, the other game against Celta de Vigo I thought it was going to be 
positive for Celta in terms of goals, but in the end, it seemed it was more positive for uh, Betis, who, again, scored three this time. I mean, it's it's good to see that they can get those goals, you know, because they do have the quality up front. Unfortunately, Borja Iglesias is still not on the score sheet, and they really need him to be um, at, at his best uh, when when playing, but, you know, still it's important to see that uh, other players can step up, and a wonderful goal by Sergio Granales was was definitely a must-watch. If uh, our listeners haven't seen it, they should definitely go and check it out and most importantly I was impressed to see how Pellegrini was celebrating every goal you know with usually he's a very calm and composed person very serious doesn't really uh, isn't too affected by what's going on but you can tell they're going through this nervy moment and as you're asking me about their situation I think that Pellegrini's uh, reactions kind of reflect you know the situation Betis is going through uh, how he was celebrating how he knows the team needs these wins because Betis have plenty of quality. This is a season where they should be fighting for Champions League, seeing how Atletico are suffering and other teams um, haven't been performing to the level expected, like Villarreal, for example. So Betis uh, should have made the most of that, which isn't really the case. Uh, but hopefully, maybe they can they can build something on on, on this because uh, Almeria are a tough side, especially away, and, and they could honestly have taken a point at least uh, against Betis. But in the end, uh, it's important to, to, to keep those three points, take them home, and, and Betis need to keep working, keep improving, because they have a good squad, they have good players. They're going to rec- recover Fekir, who of course has been injured too much uh, for me this season, and of course not having him regularly has also affected the squad. But uh, let's see how it goes from here on for uh, Real Betis. And that Friday night game, Cardiff beat Girona 2-0. Two goals uh, from the sort of January signings, Gonzalo Escalante got on the score sheet again, and Sergi Guardiola, which shows that Manuel Vizcaino has uh, done done some good transfer business for Cadiz and Sergio Gonzalez. And I also want to point out that Ruben Alcaraz is also back in the side, which makes a massive difference for Cadiz, in my point, in my view. Uh, just coming on to sort of the week coming up, we do have European football back. There's only one Spanish side in the Champions League and they won't be back for another week because they're obviously playing Elche. But uh, we do have two Spanish sides in action in the Europa League. Sevilla against PSV Eindhoven, but uh, because you're our Barcelona man, I'll ask you for a quick thought on the big one, which is obviously Barcelona, Manchester United. Big first leg, no Ousmane Dembele, obviously no, probably no Sergio Busquets either. How do you rate Barcelona's chances against an informed Manchester United as well? Yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy. I mean, I, I remember we, we knew about this fixture quite a while ago and then at that moment, Barcelona were going through a bit of a, a bad moment. Manchester weren't doing too well either. Uh, then Manchester are doing well, now Barcelona are doing well. It's kind of, uh, there's been a lot of momentum changes since we've known uh, who that they were playing each other basically and at the moment I think Barca are, are arriving in a good really good moment uh, it's true that maybe Villarreal's match wasn't their best but still it was a very uh, convincing win in the sense that it's three points it's it's another consecutive uh, victory for Barcelona and I think that's definitely going to uh, keep them um, having faith in themselves you know and, and trusting themselves and knowing they can they can defeat uh, Manchester United but you know Man United Europa League uh, it's a European game competition it's going to be tough anything can really happen honestly it's two legs uh, it's important that Barca try and uh, at least get a win honestly even if it's a 1-0 or something like that you know they have to try and get a win I think it's important because it won't be easy at Old Trafford we know uh, that's a very intense stadium to visit and uh, honestly I'm, I'm quite curious um not just to see, of course, Barca, but to see how Man United fare in, in this competition against uh, a top uh, European side because uh, they have been in better form, as you said, in the Premier League. But still, I want to see how, how this pans out and I'll actually be at the stadium watching this one, so I'm really excited to, to be there. 
Yes, no, the jealousy is uh, strong even across <laughs> the Zoom that we're talking on. We'll wrap things up there. I'm going to come to you in just a second for a moment of the week if you have one. I just want to point out Pape Gay's pass for Yusuf Enesidi's goal in the Sevilla-Majorca game. It's one of the best passes of the season and it's something that Sevilla have just not had in their locker all season. Really picks it up, sort of turns and then just puts it on a, on a sixpence, as they would say, um, back in England, like 40 years ago or something. I don't know why, why that uh, former currency has come to my mind. But yeah, go and check out Papege's pass for Yusuf Endesidi's goal. And uh, um, yes, an unusually sort of smooth touch and finish from Endesidi. Um, but more of that to come for Los Nervionenses, I hope. Anything that stood out for you this week, Roman? Well, I mentioned it before. I think uh, that Canales' goal was was just wonderful. How he brings it down with his chest and then quickly before the goalkeeper comes, lobs it over. And I thought that was top quality. I've always loved Canales. I think he's a fantastic player. And at Betis, he's been phenomenal. He hasn't had any troubles or, or as many troubles as he used to have with his injuries, etc. So great to see him uh, being so important in that team and, and great to see that goal. As I said before, go and watch it. Yes, it is a terrific, terrific finish. Uh, that's all from us this weekend. Make sure you're on the Substack, as we were saying, LLL Online. There'll be written content there this week, every day, as there, as there always is. On Twitter, at La Liga Lowdown. Make sure you follow us and uh, yeah, keep up to date. We'll be back with another podcast ahead of Manchester United Barcelona on Thursday. So make sure you tune in for that. But for now, adios. And I'll leave you with Sergio. ¡Qué control! ¡Sí lo mete! ¡Qué golazo! ¡Gol, gol, 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 gol del Betis! ¡Gol, gol, 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 ¡Madre mía! con el pecho el pase y sin dejarla caer, la pone suavecita de globo de vaselina para batir.